0: June, 1919. Alicia's first impression of her new home was that it stank. The reek of raw sewage permeated the air, which worsened as the ferry from Havana approached the dock. She wrenched a handkerchief from her purse to cover her nose and mouth. Dios mio, she said to the elderly couple standing beside her at the boat's rail. Where is that coming from? The woman pointed towards rows of wooden barrels lining the dock. There must have been thirty of them, topped by a seething cloud of flies. It's all the mierda from the Althouses. They are taking it to damp in the sea. Her eyes surveyed Alicia with open curiosity, then slid away. Alicia pulled the straw hat down low over her face. Her skin color always drew attention, the product of her African mother, and Cuban father. Even in cosmopolitan Havana, she attracted stares. As she watched, shirtless men began to load the dripping barrels onto a boat. Its gunwales sunk low in the water. Alicia tried not to gag, but only partially succeeded. They still have outhouses here? Her family home, now 90 miles to the south, had all the modern conveniences. Indoor plumbing, brass electrical fixtures in every room. Mamacita cooked on a gas range. It might as well be 2,000 miles away, or in a fairy tale. Already she missed the smell of Havana, that unique perfume of car exhaust, drains, cigarette smoke, Cuban cooking, and something indefinably old which pervaded every street and every building, the dust of centuries. Only now did she miss it, when she could never go back. She was forced to wonder, as she had done so many times since that awful night. What have I done? It had all happened so fast. The course of her life altered in an instant of desperation. It seemed impossible that it was only three days ago. Even up to the point of embarkation, she had thought there might be a reprieve, that Papa might find a way for her to stay. She had expected sympathy from him when he learned of all she had suffered, when he understood the forces that pushed her to that single act of violence. Instead of sympathy and comfort, her tears were met with silence. He did not even come to see her off, remaining locked behind his study door when the cab arrived to take her to the port. A tearful Mamacita had accompanied her and pushed a wad of crumpled dollars into her hand. You must go, Nina. It is for your own safety, she had cried. And so Alicia had taken her place on the Key West Ferry, among the tourists heading for relaxation and businessmen going to make deals and families off to visit relatives. She might have been in shackles, so powerless was she. As the boat slid into the harbor, overseen by the ancient walls of Castillo el Morro, the gulls had mocked her exulting in their freedom. She had ample time to consider her situation during the crossing, banished from her home with just a suitcase, destined for a hastily arranged job in a tea room run by her cousin Beatrice, who was a virtual stranger. They had met only once as children, long ago at a family wedding. With ten years between them, there was no common ground. Alicia retained a memory of a plump, confident girl with the knowing air and the bright eyes of a blackbird. There had been no contact since. At least, she thought, a tea room would provide a sanctuary in a town with a rough reputation, somewhere she could recover and decide what to do next. However hard she tried, the visions of dainty tables amid murmurs of polite conversation failed to soothe her. She stared into the waves. In the patterns of blue and white, she fancied she saw faces Papa's scowl, Raoul's teeth bared in rage, Mamacita's anguished farewell. She closed her eyes, but this only amplified the movement of the deck beneath her feet. What is done cannot be undone. For a moment, she thought how easy it would be just to surrender. There would only be a quiet splash as she went in. It would all be over.